Welcome to Deadhead Space. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Ghana, and all other major platforms, which will include uh, YouTube. For those that like listening to or are interested in hearing and seeing some of our guests, and by some I mean most episodes, then you'll be able to do that. We'll have clips uh, at the beginning of Season 2. Uh, more info on that later. Season 2 starts mid-January, January 18th. Who will be the first guest? You'll have to wait and listen to the finale. I'm your host, Patrick R. McDonough, and alongside me is my co-host, Brennan LaFaro. Say hi, Brennan. Hey, everybody. And we are welcoming back guest host Cassie Daly. Say hi, Cassie. Hi. And our guest today, she is a marvelous writer. We're going to talk about Unbox, but we'll talk about other things, too. Brianna Morgan. And please tell me if I'm saying Brianna right, if I'm pronouncing that right. It is Brianna, so that's that's good. Um, if you forget, just call me Bri. I usually go by Bri. All right, Cassie, take it away. Okay, but first, I just want to say that I literally have texted her before saying, is it Brianna or Brianna? Because I don't want to say it wrong on a podcast. She has. <laughs> I've known some that go one way, some the other way. And if you say the wrong one, well, you shouldn't be a guy because you're going to die instantaneously, right? I'm not, I'm not that intense, but <laughs> I do That's have a really crap. intense, yeah. It's really intense. Sorry. I, I just you shouldn't went. talk to those people, man. They're not good for you. Uh-huh. That's a little dangerous. Bullies. Uh, go ahead, <laughs> If you Cassie. say my name wrong, I will fucking kill you. <laughs> some may now, have been some may I have agree. been inebriated. Oh no. <laughs> Did you just make people angry while drunk and start calling them the wrong name? Uh you know what? Don't remember, so <laughs> Alright, okay. Well now that's a good segue into <laughs> Um Bree, tell us how you got into horror. I feel like I've been into horror for as long as I can remember. One of my earliest memories is hiding behind the couch and watching Are You Afraid of the Dark? <laughs> so I think I've always just been interested in things that scare me and, you know, things that maybe are not age appropriate that scare me. I also read a lot of goosebumps, of course, um, to the point where I would get night terrors, but I would still read the books. So <laughs> I think that was a pretty good indicator of where I was headed. You said um, you liked Are You Afraid of the Dark? So now I have to ask you, what's your favorite episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? I have not watched them since I was young, so I I don't remember them. That's okay. Uh, That's fair. There, wasn't there one with like a swimming pool? Yes. That one scared me. There, can we talk about that there. one? Yeah. Can we talk? Sorry, Cassie. I'll, I'll pick. I'll shut up in a minute. Can we talk about that very specific <laughs> episode real quick? Go ahead, Cassie. No, I was just saying there was a creature in the pool that was going to get him. Wait, why are you so you got really intent about that episode? What do you have to share here? I can I can relate uh, with the <laughs> large pool thing because the town I grew up in had a college, uh, Bridgewater State College, and that's a university, and they had a massive pool, um, college sized pool. I don't I don't know what the difference is from normal sized pools, but I think you know what I mean. It had a uh, very deep end. It had a high dive. Um, I went there to learn how to swim since I was a kid, and it kind of reminded me of that pool and uh, made me a little terrified, just like Jaws did with beaches. That made me terrified of that pool. I don't even remember the whole episode, so now I feel bad for, like, re-traumatizing you with it. (laughs) That's why we like horror. It scares us. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Go ahead, Cassie. It wasn't just... 
No, no, you didn't. It, I was going to say, it wasn't just, um, the pool thing wasn't just for that either, because there were Goosebumps books too, with like the Deep Trouble one, where it had like that underwater cover. And I am terrified of underwater stuff now. So like even in video games, I cannot play underwater levels because they're so scary to me. But I love books with underwater stuff. I do this thing when I play video games, if there's an underwater level, I will hold my breath while the character is holding their breath, just to see if I can do it. And I don't know why I do it because I don't even need to anymore. I'll just realize later <laughs> when I play Bioshock. holding it. Do you not Wait. play Bioshock? Uh, I am playing Bioshock right now. So that's <laughs> the, fir- the first one. Yes. That's one of my favorite games ever. Me and Cassie have actually talked about that on here. We have. Is it your first time playing it? Far, Yeah. I just played Bioshock Infinite for the first time, and I played it, I finished it in less than 12 hours. Um, so I powered through that, so now I'm trying to go back and do the first one and the second one. But Bioshock Infinite is really good. I, I played them in order, I think, because I played them like when they came out. Mm-hmm. One is still my favorite, but I think um, Infinite is my second favorite over two not that two is like terrible or anything it's just story-wise i really like brennan's just sitting there with like this blank look because he doesn't play video games and i feel really bad right now i'm so sorry brennan <laughs> no when him and some of the composers are you know actually yeah when only the composers come on or actually that time with jason when musicians that know what the hell they're talking about unlike musicians <laughs> like me that can't reject shit music wise <laughs> they start talking about all this shit they're talking about the matrix and i'm like i like neo that's not the matrix we're referring to. It's for numbers that turn art, music, into uh, mathematical <laughs> equations and algorithms. And it's just, uh, he's he's done it to me. So go away, Cassie. <laughs> I mean, I'm just thinking of, um, like, Sonic the Hedgehog when you would go under the water and the music would get real intense and it would start counting. Um, like, that's, <laughs> I, I wonder if, like, newer video games have really harnessed the intensity and anxiety-inducing nature of of Sonic the Hedgehog, because um, if not, they're really, they're missing out. I don't think there are any, like, I can't think of any current games that are quite like Sonic. Like, that's such an iconic, specific, like, even hearing you say that, I could just hear the music now in my head and, like, yeah, same. makes me want to play Sonic. <laughs> Sega! That was the best. That's it. That's all you guys saying. You're like, I want to buy that T-shirt. I'm just thinking that no matter what game it is, no matter what the premise is, once you go underwater, the music should get really intense and like this giant countdown should start and let you know you're going to die in 45 seconds uh, unless you retrieve whatever you've got to retrieve. Yes. And get the hell out of there. But in like the... Sorry, what? Did you watch Underwater? Came out this year. Yes, that one has uh, Kristen Stewart. Yeah, Kristen Stewart's in it. Oh, I need to watch that one. I forgot that came out. Yeah, oh, you should watch it. It's good. I liked it. I won't spoil it, but I liked it. It's really good. So let's get back to uh, Brie. What got... Uh, nope, we already asked that question. So <laughs> I, want, I want to jump into Unbox. Um, stumbled over my own words. Does anyone <laughs> else want to talk about another book before we go to Unbox? I have general bookish questions, but we can talk about nope. Unbox first. Uh, no, nah, the general probably is better if it's first. All right. I have a general question for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wide open. So. Okay, cool. So um, I know that you write YA stuff and horror stuff. And, like, you write a bunch of different kinds of things, honestly. And I just want to know what makes you jump around in, like, genres. Like, wh- where did you start and what makes you want to do all these different ones instead of kind of, like, sticking to one thing? Right. So it's kind of funny that you asked that because I'm sort of pivoting more toward horror specifically. I have in the past written urban fantasy, but I 
it's, it's a lot harder to me. The words don't come as easily when I'm doing urban fantasy and I have a tendency to really overthink and I don't have as much fun with it. So that's part of why I'm switching to more horror, but certain stories, I get certain ideas and I realize that they are more suited to certain genres. It's like what happens for book ideas versus play ideas for me. Um, when I get the idea, I, sort of have a sense of whether it's going to be a book or a play right off the bat. My God, that was going to be one of my other questions. I was going to ask about the differences between doing the plays and the books and how like you get an idea for each and how you know the difference. You read my mind. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just beat you too. <laughs> so when you're writing a play, uh, I'm really curious because I've never attempted that. Um, what got you into writing plays? Is that, did you fall for that first? Were you a theater kid in high school? Or did you kind of fall backwards into it? I've done theater for, I grew up doing theater. I was in um, church plays and uh, I did, I was in a pageant, like a beauty pageant that, mm. you know, is a whole other thing, but it's theater in a way. And then I did theater in high school and some in college. So it's always just kind of been there. Um, I didn't really write plays until I wrote Touch, so until I was out of theater for a few years. Did you find oh, it was like a okay. super? Did you find it was a super different experience writing that from writing anything else, or like is your process pretty much the same when you go into both? It's different because you can't. The role of a playwright is not the same as as it is an author, because an author, you have to lay everything out. You have to set the scene. You have to make sure everything's accounted for that. The audience can really picture it with a, with a play as a playwright. I am just laying like the bare bones of the scene. I do give suggestions for stage directions and setting and things like that. But when it comes right down to it, if the production is actually being staged, that's not my responsibility. That's the production manager and the stage manager's job. So I, I kind of have to worry about some of that, but not as much as I would writing a book. And, and I will say too, with writing a play, this is the thing that a lot of people don't think about. It's visual. So you can't, you can't have people thinking things because it's visual. Everything that you have happen, you have to have, you have to be able to show it. So writing a play really does help with showing versus telling because you, you can't tell as much. You have to show. Hmm. Yeah, that's totally fair. And that makes sense, too, because I remember when I was reading Unboxed, actually, I was like, I, I could I can visualize when I'm reading a book, but I could visualize when I was reading Unboxed in a different way. And it was it was like it was made for TV. And it was like so cool because I don't really read a lot of plays. I mean, outside of reading them in like high school and college and stuff, that's not it's not something I think a lot of people probably just in their normal everyday reading um, kind of veer toward. And so I thought it was really cool that you were doing that. Cause you're like exposing people to this whole different format that even if they go into it, not really knowing what the difference is, they can feel it and they can like experience it without even kind of putting it into words. Right. I don't have a question. That was, that was just. <laughs> <laughs> Bria, I thought it was interesting that you, um, you said that when you're kind of setting the scene, you can leave some of it up to, um, the director's imagination or whatever. I noticed there was 
Uh, one part pretty much right off the bat where you're describing, um, you know, this picture should be on the wall. Um, and, and you said pretty much anything else can be left up to the director. Now, I'm going to kind of join the other two and say I don't have a ton of experience reading plays, but the ones that I have read, I don't really see them do that. They, they, they have a little bit more um, of a controlling nature when they write those parts. Now, since you are probably the most experienced person in reading plays, is that more common did you just kind of want to give a little bit more creative freedom to anybody who might be adapting this um it i will say it depends on the playwright some playwrights are a lot stricter with it some are a lot looser i i prefer a minimalist production personally so that's i like to leave it wide open if somebody wants to you know go in and put up fake pictures of Greg and Alice on the walls, like through the years, if somebody wants to like put a dog bed in there, anything like that, that's fine. But that is not, that's not something I feel like the reader needs or the audience needs to get into the story. And the other thing is that because people are reading the play, um, not so much seeing it right now, obviously, because we're all under lockdown. Um, because people are reading the play, you, you don't want to get too much into the the set dressing and things like that, because then people will, especially people who don't read plays, they'll just be like, oh, I don't want to read this. This is just a list of what's on the stage. So it's kind of a tricky balance you have to keep there. So is it your goal, because um, you mentioned that we're all in lockdown, is it your goal to have Unboxed made like into a thing that we can watch? Yes. Um, so the timing, I released in the summer originally because I thought that and people would be reading it. And then by the time like October rolled around, someone would maybe want to produce it. But obviously that didn't happen. So the timing didn't quite work out this year, but I'm still kind of hoping to see it either staged or filmed or something in the future. Yeah, that would be really cool. I thought the audio version was really interesting. Um, that is how I read or heard it. And uh, it felt really good. I've never heard a play before in audio format um i've been to plenty live but uh it was different and i liked it and it took me a little bit to get used to it just because it's literally the first time i heard it but once it started kicking into gear and he uh he's he showed that he's not gonna say what he says to his girlfriend and fall through and then you're just like this dude has no rock bottom <laughs> then i just couldn't stop listening <laughs> Um, yeah, my narrator, he did a wonderful job in the stuff with the, the boxer, the audio distortion. He came up with that on his own. So I, I couldn't be happier with that. And the way that turned out, it's kind of hard. I'm especially curious, especially because you said that that was how you experienced it, how it comes across as a play, um, in audiobook form rather than an audio drama, which is what a lot of people assume it is, uh, so that's been kind of hard managing that expectation because, you know, with an audio drama, you have different actors and maybe you have different music and cues and things like that. Whereas someone's reading a book version of a play, they have to read all the character names, which I'm sure you had to get used to. But a lot of people might not understand where that's coming from. Uh, yeah, that is a thing that was the biggest hurdle to get over. But those are just technical stuff since mm -hmm. I haven't heard it before. So it's not really a knock on any. Thing that you did um 
for audio listeners, she's wearing a unboxed shirt, and she has on her shelf behind her unboxed with some pretty awesome stuff. I like the uh, Beetlejuice. Big fan of that. This is the brand. I have to keep my <laughs> the, brand consistent. The Tim Burton brand. It's it's a lot. There's a lot happening. <laughs> I, I like it. Um, Brennan, you want to kick in? Yeah, I was. I was. I noticed that you mentioned the other day that if. Uh, if you were to give this thing the movie treatment that one of the directions you might think about going is uh, found footage. Uh, kind of tell us a little bit about that, what your, uh, I guess, dream vision is for that. Selfishly, I love found footage. I love watching it. Um, I am a sucker for a good found footage film and even for a bad found footage film at this point, I'll take whatever I can get. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Cassie understands that. And I don't know. Something about Unboxed, it feels, I mean, obviously it's a play, so people are watching it, but it feels voyeuristic. It feels very much like you're looking in on this one couple's slice of life, especially as Greg sort of puts himself out there to the world. I thought I thought it would be interesting because it would be sort of meta. Can you uh, describe what it is about before we talk about the same more, just for those uh, potential readers, listeners, viewers? It pretty much covers all bases, I think. What's the synopsis? So Unbox is about a paranormal vlogger. His name is Greg Zipper. He has a channel where he goes and uh, explores haunted sites and looks for ghosts and things like that. He has a girlfriend, Alice. They live together. She used to help out with this channel. Now, not so much. She's an artist, but she doesn't really make a lot of money doing that. He's He's supporting them with his channel and his ad money. Greg certainly is looking for all that attention, but Alice is kind of thrust into a position where nothing she does is private. She doesn't even have that ability to, so to kind of um, zero in on that using the medium, uh, like that's, that's a pretty cool idea. Um, Small tangent, but what are some of your favorite found footage movies? Oh my God. Uh, Blair Witch, obviously. (laughs) Paranormal Activity, in terms of, I'm going to go for some lesser known, although they're not as lesser known anymore, but The Taking of Deborah Logan is very good. Uh, Dyatlov Pass or Devil's Pass, depending on what version you look into. Um, and As Above, So Below. Those are my favorites. I love that movie. It's so I'm good. so glad you went with As As Above, So Below. I love that, and I feel like it gets a lot of hate. It seems to be really divisive. Is it? Yeah. I've never heard anybody say anything bad, and now I'm going to go look on the internet for it. I think people have just sheltered me because everybody I know has liked it, and I, I made them watch it. it. I, it's I, on I, Netflix. I tweeted something like, what is your favorite found footage film, and why is it as above, so below, or something like that? And a lot of people were like, it's not my favorite. And I'm like, well, it's my Twitter. Like, <laughs> what do you want? It was a rhetorical question. Get out of here. <laughs> I like uh, for recent ones. I like Host. That was uh, that scared me. It's <laughs> very good. Host yeah. is very good. We and I out. watched Host together. We were texting through it. We had a host date. Yeah, we had a little movie date. Yeah. And Chad Shepard appeared in the room. No, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like he's always around though. Chad yeah. Shepard. I was up at like 12 last night, late at night. And he was just talking about dudes always talking about movies all the time. Love it. Like hey. Have you ever heard of these million random movies that are amazing, but no one talks about? I'm like, no. What he does. Yeah, he's he's someone that he's got a three movie deal with Blumhouse. 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 
Blumhouse. Yeah. Him and Rob Savage. <laughs> I didn't know if I said it right the first five. So I was like, let's say it some more. You said it more the same exact way, though, is the funny part. <laughs> I, think two, I think two more and you get Candyman, so keep going. Ooh, be oh, be careful. I do like Tony Todd. <laughs> it's a good way to die. If I died like that on my podcast, I'll let Brennan take over for the editing and uh, then the show ends. Be my victim. Shoot, I guess. Twist my arm. <laughs> <laughs> So what's the response to Unbox been like so far? Because it hasn't been out for too long, has it? Uh, July twenty. Oh, July twenty fifth, I think. I should know that it's my book, but you know, this year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's been honestly better than I was expecting. I was kind of. This year's been difficult to have anything released, but a play. Plays are not as popular as novels, and although horror readers are passionate and will pretty much devour anything they can in the genre, I was worried that people wouldn't be interested in it just because it was a play. But I've actually had a lot of people tell me that they want to read more plays because they read Unbox, and that makes me really happy. And just a lot of people are shouting it out um, and mentioning it and wanting to read it and things. And I, it's like people that I didn't expect. Like Josh Mallerman? <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, that that um, was awesome. Alex Brightman, who played Beetlejuice on Broadway. I sent him a signed copy. Nice. It's just been kind of weird. I don't know why this is the book that has kind of like popped off for me, but I I'm really grateful. That's amazing. Yeah, the only other playwright because I was thinking when we were talking, I go, hmm, don't know if we had another, and then I thought Mark Steensland. He's a playwright. He's a screenwriter. I think that's the proper term for film, right? Screenwriter. Screenwriter. He's a pretty awesome author. So, Brianna, I want to um, kind of make you retread some ground and get very specific. You mentioned, um, you know, kind of formulating ideas and deciding whether they were stories and plays. So I was kind of wondering where the germ of the idea came for this one and when you realized that's that's the way it was meant to be told. So bits and pieces of Unboxed came from the fact that I watch a lot of YouTube. Uh, There's a really specific channel and a really specific series of videos that kicked it off for me. I don't know if I should mention him. I I don't know. It's probably fine. Mindseed TV is the channel. He does tech reviews, but then... For some reason, like a year or two years ago, he just took a complete right turn and did a dark web unboxing video. And I was like, what is this? I've never seen anything like it. And it was kind of freaky and they built suspense and a lot of people said it was fake, but it's kind of the video that put him like over the top and every video he's done since pretty much has been paranormal. So I did more research into that and I discovered that it was a trend that a lot of people were doing these dark web unboxing videos. Um, so I was like, you know, what, why would someone order this box from a complete stranger from the bad part of the internet? What would drive a person to do that and then film their experience, uh, and sort of snowballed into, you know, character motivation. Then I thought about Greg and then it all just kind of blew up from there. 
I, that's definitely something I wanted to ask you about how much, you know, of that was research and how much was imagination. So I'm wondering, is there anything you can tell us about dark web mystery boxes that didn't make it into the book? Uh, from what I can tell, almost all of them are fake. Um, if not all of them. I don't know enough about the dark web to like, to, to, to be like, you know, is it, is it being run by these horrible, like supernatural forces and like just straight up like comic book villains that, you know, what kind of stuff would you get sent there? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's the whole idea that, you know, you can send somebody like a hundred bucks and then they send you like a murder weapon or something like that. That's traceable. That's not, that's not something you would do. And a lot of people think the dark web isn't traceable and certain aspects aren't, but things like that, like if there's DNA on it, you can still find people. And I mean, also, I don't, I don't want to say that people who order dark web mystery boxes are kind of gullible, but I do think it takes a certain kind of person to order a dark web box and like whatever they get. A gullible kind of person. I was going to say, and (laughs) one word to describe that type of person might be gullible. Personally, (laughs) I would be happier with the hundred dollars. But I will will say, you know, if, if they're fake, some of them are really creative and some of them, I don't think they're fake, but I, I do think someone sent them. But I think someone went to Goodwill and just like pulled stuff off a shelf and like wrote on something in red crayon to make it creepy. Like that's that's sort of the theory I formulated that most of this stuff is just put together for clout. That scene creeped me out when I read it. Uh, I was like, for the simple fact that it's all weird, and you know, someone's taking this uh, sort of industry super serious. I don't want to meet that person at Goodwill because I like Goodwills. <laughs> I do recommend y'all watch some dark web mystery box unboxing videos if you haven't. Um, they're they're hit or miss. Some of them, some of them people will be like fake gagging, and then they never show you what's in the box. So it's like, is there anything in there? And then other ones like the Mind Seed TV, like it could be fake, it could be real. You're not really sure. It's not. No one gets like possessed or cut or anything like that. But you know disemboweled or it's not real that's it i would be really upset if i were watching a video to see what somebody got on the dark web and then they just made a face and turned the video off and that was it like i would that's so i would be so like it's just not satisfying what's the point it it seems like the younger the youtuber is the less they show Mm. which is why i'm sort of thinking that it's not it's not real most of the time Mm. I think I'd be sold if there were chunks of hair. Doesn't really matter what else is in there. <laughs> as soon as I see the hair, I'm like, yeah, I'm out. Well, hair, hair is disgusting to me. So, like, even right, I was like, what would I hate to see together? I was like, just any hair. Like, you don't even know what kind of hair it is. Is it, <laughs> is it hair from a head? Is it? Sometimes hair you could tell head? if you're <laughs> probably looking at it. I think. <laughs> Sorry, journals I, I are know. easy to tell. It's not head hair. <laughs> is it an animal like you, i don't know yes <laughs> I like how hair is in there also you guys all went to hair but i'm thinking of like eyelids and teeth and like uh, did you just laugh at me because of eyelids there's a okay i almost in, spit that coffee up i'm sorry but in defense have you guys there's this movie and i don't remember what it's called because it's been a while since i've seen it but there's a boy who is possessed or something and there's like black stuff that comes out of him and they find a box of eyelids 
Oh, I don't like that. No, it was awful because they don't tell you what it is and they just open it and you're staring for a bit. And I got closer to the screen because I was like, what is that? And then they're like, oh, and they throw them at the same no. exact moment I realized. No. no. You. Not for <laughs> Or like fingernails. That's uh, that's weird. If you think of that movie, please tell me so I never watch it. I will. If anybody knows who's listening, please tell us. It's a good movie otherwise. Oh, yeah. It was was spooky and I liked it. But I'm going to say I like a lot of movies that people (laughs) sometimes don't like. (laughs) So Zipper's a dick, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, he is. No, 100%. He seems to just like not give a fuck at the end. I feel like he doesn't mean things he says. Even I, after that. I have people who are like, so Greg is like really unlikable. And they say it like it's like they're letting me in on a secret. And I'm like, yeah, he's an asshole. <laughs> like, I know. And they're like, I don't like him. And I'm like, you don't have to like a character. A character does not have to be likable. Surprise. Yeah. You don't I, like every person in your life. And he is terrible. So I get it. You know what? I got that advice when I started writing that, like, I was writing this one story, and I'll make it super short. Basically, a, a family that they're all terrible people. And my friend that, no offense, but wasn't a writer or really a reader said, gotta have people like them. And I'm thinking, devil's rejects, man. No. You can like things about them. You don't have to like all of them. Like I like their hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They do, they do all have good hair. I'm I'm, I'm a, you know a little little jealous of hair on the head. That's really sad. <laughs> I, they know what do we say to that? Like you I don't know what to do it as a guest, as a friend. You you just say you did this to yourself. <laughs> I have a lot of hair. I mean, I could send you some, but I feel like that's getting close to dark web material. So it I don't is. we already established we don't like that. We don't want hair in the mail. No, no. No, I'll record it. Oh look God. at the camera, make a gagging noise, and, and then and I'll it shut it up. Cut. Yeah, that's that's really rude, buddy. That's her hair. hair. <laughs> that's what I'm afraid will happen. I'll open a PO box and someone will send me hair. Mm. No. You know what? Yeah, that'd be creepy. That'd be yeah. meta, man. I don't have a PO box, and that's part of the reason why. <laughs> Listeners, please do not send Bree hair. Don't do it. Not cool. Uh, I have heard of indie horror authors, and one of them has said it on my show, so it's not like I'm giving you a secret. But Armand Rosamelia talked about his stalker on, I don't even know what episode it was on. It was super early before me and Brennan ever hooked up to do this. And uh, it's weird. Like, they yeah. <laughs> they, they friend your, your wife, your cousin, you know, someone that's related to you. And it's like, that's think about it. If you're doing that to a normal guy, is that okay? Are you doing it because you like something they they made it's still not okay yeah i i'm lucky my partner is very understanding obviously the horror community there are a lot of great women in the horror community um traditionally it has mostly been men and there are a lot of men in the horror community and so he'll see my interactions with people and he's just like oh is that one of your weird friends and i'm like yeah (laughs) yeah but some other people might be like why are you talking to this person so much um, and sometimes he'll joke, he's like, is that your stalker? And I'm like, no, my stalker would be creepier than this. Yeah. <laughs> As a woman on the internet, I feel like I have a higher threshold, which is not a good thing, but it's like, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of harassment to really get through. That's crazy. It shouldn't be like that. When I was from the age of 10 to like 
2018, I played this game called Counter-Strike religiously, and it was online, and you played with people all over the world, just like, you know, it, it sounded like a big deal back then, but you could do that on your phone now, so it's not really like, who cares, but back then it was pretty awesome, because I could play with people in Germany or the Middle East, couldn't understand them, but when you're drunk and they're drunk, you don't have to speak the same language to laugh at stuff. Drunk is a language. Exactly. Universal. But the reason why I bring this up is because there'd be mostly guys playing. Um, and I was the same back then, just chubbier. And I would be shy, but I would make stupid comments. But I would never go along with the being weird to girl. I never got it, even as a child. I never understood it. There would be guys I would just start saying stuff, and I'm thinking, you wouldn't say that shit to her face. <laughs> no, no. It pisses well, me off how, how you have to, how you have to have a tolerance for that. That's just that's a shame. Um, I actually had I didn't have a stalker, but I did have I went on a date with this guy. Um, I think it was on Tinder or something like that, and it didn't go well. And I thought it, I thought I thought it was like an amicable split, but he was very upset, and he went and like review bombed me on like Amazon and could read like, all of my books. So I had to report that to Amazon because it was just like, it was like one star and then he would write something really terrible and personal that did not have anything to do with the book. <sighs> so that's, that's fucked up. And it's like, I don't think he would have done that to a man, you know? Yeah. Uh, I can't really relate to that, but that that's horrible. So anyone have a good segue? Cause I, I'm out of ideas. No, I mean, he does. I, I mean, things actually- awkward. No, I don't have a good a good one. I have more to add on to the bad stuff even because like as me, who is just somebody who's just started writing and I'm not going to go too much into it, but just given everything that's happened with this whole year, I that's like a legitimate fear for me that people are going to just start reviewing things poorly because they don't like me or because they don't like that I'm vocal about certain things. And as a woman, like trying to write stuff like that sucks. Like it's not great. And it's I don't think that's a thing that a lot or any guys have to deal with and I can't imagine like going on a date with somebody and having them look at me in the face and then seeing that review later like I would show up at their house and I'd be like come on let's fight like right now let's go <laughs> oh yeah I she will would la- she would laugh while she's up. <laughs> it's true I would because I'm awkward and I'd start laughing because I was so nervous I'd be like come on come on let's go I'm really mad but let's go <laughs> Amazon got better at recognizing when people are doing that like if it Sounds like a personal attack and nothing to do with the book. They will just take it down, which is good. Yeah, that's really good because I mean, everything that I've read by you has been good. So nobody deserves a one star, a one star angry bad date rating. Thank you. That's so weird. That's like hitting below the belt. It does seem weird that they would allow something like that to go through in the first place when they will like flag my review because I left a swear word in there or something. Um. <laughs> it was a few years ago too I, they've gotten stricter they've also gotten kind of weird I have had two people in the past week tell me they went to leave a review for Unboxed and couldn't because they hadn't recently spent $50 or more on Amazon yeah I've had that happen to me with the Rue with uh, Alan Baxter I was like hey dude I know you put me in the book but like fuck your review no I'm kidding I, I told him and he understood I just bought yeah. more books with that money <laughs> Very strange. I don't know. I don't know. I guess so that people don't just make accounts and rate and then leave. But it's it's really bizarre. That is bizarre. Um, can you talk a little bit about because like we kind of steered away from unbox, which is fine. But let's talk about your shirt because I feel like you wore that for a reason tonight. So I did. So for audio um, listeners, let's 
let's pretend this is a play. Tell the audio listeners what you got. It is a comfort blend shirt by Teespring, printed printed for my merch store, and it is the cover of my play Unboxed. Nice. Nailed it. <laughs> Someone take over for me. I'm I'm silly tonight. You're just the official like he's like I'm the play judge now. Nailed I'm it. You've got this. It. So it's fine. He's holding up a ten right now. I couldn't even judge myself, so how can I judge others? Don't worry, oh, man. We'll take wait. care of it for you. That was a joke, <laughs> but that was actually deep. It was deep. Yeah, that, well, was yeah, it. actually. We just need a moment of silence for that profound <laughs> statement. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> All right. I think that'll do. Um, <laughs> so, Bree, let's let's talk about, because you just released a book today, officially released a book today. Yeah, Tell us I'm a little bit about it. Yay. Thank you. Um, I've always wanted to just like drop a release and run um, the past two books I've done. I've done extensive pre-order campaigns for them and not saying this to like, you know, what was me or whatever, but the pre-order campaigns didn't hit the goals that I wanted them to. And they just sort of caused me a lot more undue stress. Um, and I knew this book was one that, you know, the paperback isn't quite ready, but I knew the ebook was out. So it was like, you know, some people, can get it and start reading it and reviewing it and things like that and boosting it and the algorithm, all that jazz. Um, and I didn't really have a good reason for not releasing it right now. So, except, you know, unless I was going to wait for the paperback, but I was like, you know, a lot, a lot of indie authors actually do the ebook first anyway. So I just kind of decided to do it. Uh, I joked about it earlier in the week with my boyfriend. I was like, what if I just like release trick or treater? Ha ha ha. <laughs> and he's like, no, do it. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I will. It took a lot of convincing. I, today I didn't have anything else to do. No. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. So um, it feels really good to have it out. Um, I still have a lot of work to do because there was such a big Kickstarter campaign. Um, I will have to send out a lot of books and a lot of bookmarks that Cassie made. Yay. Nice. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't see those. Um, and then I'll have book plates and postcards and all kinds of things to put together and mail to people. I was going to order shirts and have them sent to my house. And then I realized it would be easier if I just give people a code for that. I'm trying to think of little things like that to sort of, make it easier because it's a lot to send out. So tell us all about the Kickstarter that led to uh, the book. Yeah. So uh, I, (laughs) a lot of people don't, I think don't consider with self-publishing that you are, you know, traditional publishing, you get an advance and you don't really put money in. Um, I mean, you can put money in like if you want to print your own bookmarks or something like that, but you're not fronting the cost of the book. Whereas when you're an indie author, you pay for everything. So you have to pay for editing. You have to pay for formatting, um, any marketing you do, any promo materials, things like that. So I knew I wanted to do this book and I wanted to do it right. And then I lost my job. Uh, I got laid off um, because of the world as it is. Yeah. And so I just kind of made a Kickstarter thinking I'd raise I don't know, like $3,000 or whatever. And then that would be enough to cover all my costs. But it ended up, uh, I got a lot more support than I was expecting, which is, 
I'm incredibly humbled by and incredibly grateful for it. Um, and I would not have been able to do this book without my Kickstarter backers and I, everyone's in the acknowledgements. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Because I, this year has been, you know, terrible for everyone, but the book would not be coming out at all. That's great. Can you tell, cause I think I missed it. Maybe I didn't. What's the title and what is it about? It is the trick or treater and mm. other stories. Uh, the trick or treater is the titular story. Um, so it is in the collection. It's just a collection of this is bad because it's my book, but I can't remember how many stories are in there. Uh, That's fun. It's pretty short. It's about the length of uh, if you've read Keelan Patrick Burke's Dead Leaves. They're similar size. Um, mm. And it's just they're not really there's not really anything tying them together. There's certain themes that kind of interweave, but it's not like an intentional, like it's not, you know, they don't all take place in the same universe or anything like that. It's just kind of stories that I really liked and thought went together. Did Keelan do the cover? It looks like one of his. He did. He did. All right. I love that. Um, beautiful. It, yeah. I, I just want to say for me, it looks like a mix of a Pike book and a Goosebumps book. If they had a baby, it would be this. Keelan Patrick Burke. It would yeah, be a... I've had so many artists. I mean, I've been so lucky to have, you know, the artistic talent I've had with this, like with Keelan doing the cover and then Cassie coming up with the bookmarks and then Trevor Henderson. I don't know if you guys saw the, the art he did of the trick or treater, the monster. It's, it's really scary, but it's really good because it's, Where's that it's at? pictured in my head. Um, it's on Twitter. It's on my Instagram too. Uh, I, follow, I follow you. I should have seen it. I can share it again. It's it's like this red guy, like all hunched over. He's got a hat. But hmm. Trevor Henderson is the guy who does Siren Head and um, a bunch of other spooky stuff. He's very good. How did you hook up with uh, Trevor? Um, I just I've been following him on Twitter for a while, and I just I honestly thought he would be way too busy to accommodate me, but I was like, Hey man, this is my idea. I have a short story collection coming out and I would love it if you could, you know, put together something of the monster for my backers. And then he, he was great. I, he was great to work with. He was fast. Everyone I've worked with has been really fast. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. It's great. So the creature that he made for you, just so I, I feel like I'm not listening correctly. What is it called? Uh, He's the trick-or-treater. Oh, that's the creature. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cassie just showed me I that. I just sent you a picture, yeah. Wow, that is creepy. Yeah, he's... Uh, my boyfriend would not let me get a print of that to put in our home. So. <laughs> Which I feel like is high praise to Trevor, but some people might not think that is. It's very is your, scary. Is your boyfriend not into uh, horror? No, not as much. Um, he is very open-minded. He reads my stuff. Um, nice. He loves my stuff, so that's good. Uh, obviously. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've introduced him to some, like, classic horror. Like, I showed him Psycho. I got to show him The Shining. So that's been kind of special. Um, the movies or? Movies. Yeah, the movies. Okay. Those yeah. are good choices. 
He just, I think he always, he said to me, it was more a thing like he always thought he would be way too scared by anything. And I'm like, no, it's more like, you know, you maybe get a steady sense of dread throughout the movie and then it's over. And he's like, why do you want to do that? And I'm like, I don't know. You should show the birds. Uh, I don't, we haven't watched the birds. I don't know if he's seen it. Uh, we did watch Vertigo, which he like does not really horror. I think the birds is still creepy. I mean, it's birds. Their eyes are like, it's hard to ma- make those not look realistic. I mean, bird, birds are creepy. Yeah. <laughs> it's fair. You could also show the burbs with Tom Hanks. <laughs> that one's not as scary. It's um, not, but it's really good. Unless you consider that Tom Hanks has like not aged until recently. That's kind of scary. I think it was uh, playing Mr. Rogers. He's like, eh, you know what? What's the point now? Play the friendliest man on TV. He, he's Paul there. Rudd. They took like some sort of elixir of life, and now they're just forever perfect. Him, sure. Will Smith. Yes. Paul, Paul Rudd, not Seth I Rogen. Just, <laughs> I just said Paul Rudd. What did you think I said? <laughs> Wasn't listening. Apparently, I have an issue with listening. My mistake. Okay. Okay. I want to go uh, back just a little bit. Men, am I right? I know. Yeah, I, I can't. Uh, yeah, wait. I'm having deja vu. This has happened before. <laughs> I want to go back to the cover because it's like one of the, I think it's just like in my top five covers of like the whole year. Like it's so, so pretty. Um, is it, is this what you envisioned? Like when you reached out to him and you were like, I want you to do my cover. Like, what did you tell him? Like to get this amazing, colorful, beautiful thing. So <laughs> I sent him, um, I have a mood board on Pinterest of like every idea I ever come up with. Um, that's a good idea. I usually, yeah, I usually start doing it just for my own benefit, but I've noticed in recent years it helps to just send that to my cover designer and be like, this is the book. Um, and I did that with Keelan. I sent him a bunch of ideas and then I sent him the cover of My Best Friend's Exorcism. And I'm like, I love this cover. I want this. Obviously not this same exact cover, but the same kind of vibe. And he nailed it. You know what? That Pinterest bulletin board... Um, I think that'd be great for co-writers. If you have two people writing a story that needs a lot of visuals, that's a f- that's a freaking great idea. Yeah, the unboxed one too helped me because I had um, I had like aesthetic pictures and moody kind of pictures, but then I also had different set designs mm. that kind of helped me map it out in my head and sort of come up with my own personal preferences if I were to make it a play and things like that. Do you watch plays for inspiration or do you watch them to typically do you watch them just for the enjoyment or to escape from real life, which is nutty? A little bit of both. I, I tend to draw, I get my, most of my inspiration from really good art. So if I see a play that's really good, I will pull certain elements of that or a movie that's really good. I will pull certain elements of that. Um, But I'm not like sitting there the whole time thinking, Oh, that's, you know, that's the smoking gun that they mentioned at the beginning, and that's why <laughs> it was so good. Like, I'm not doing that. I might do that later, but I'm not doing that while I'm watching the show. Do you have a favorite Christmas play that, like, me and my family, we love watching plays during Christmas. The Nutcracker probably being that, and um, uh, what's the one where they see Scrooge has got the three ghosts? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, that and uh, the Nutcracker. Just always loved seeing it as a kid. Uh, well, last year I went and saw um, A Christmas Story. It's a play, too. <laughs> uh, and that was I saw it as a play last year, and it was very good. Or maybe not last year, maybe the year before, but it was interesting to see how they had 
taken things from the movie and kind of changed them. I've always wanted to see um, the Mormon one by the creators of South Park. Book of Mormon? The, the Book of Mormon, yeah. It is It is hilarious. I've seen it twice. <laughs> it's so good. So it's it's pretty much Matt and Trey's sense of humor, right? Just like making fun of that religion? Yes. It's probably like the South Park episode where they made fun of Mor- uh, Mormons. I took my I took my dad who is or he was a youth minister. Now he's like a sports chaplain. I took him and he laughed so hard he was almost crying. So I feel like anyone can enjoy that musical. I mean, if you can't make fun of your religion, can you really have fun in life? That sure. should definitely never be asked to a serious religious person. It's a bad idea. Brennan or Cassie, please take over. He's like, save me, God. <laughs> <laughs> Digging my own hole. I just I think me and Brennan just part of why we like this so much is like we just get to sit here and let him stew sometimes and we just wait and we just wait for him to run out of steam. (laughs) Let's see where he's going with this. (laughs) I often tire myself out. It's exhausted for my wife. So never (laughs) for any reason ever do anything to anyone ever. (laughs) (laughs) Look at Scott. I don't know. I can't stop watching The Office because I know it's going to end in like less than a month. They're taking it off soon, yeah. They replaced. They already did. Now they replaced it with Seinfeld, I believe. Interesting. That is not related to anything, but I yeah, didn't that's... Jerry does not have enough money. Honestly, I guess not. Because he spent too much money on all those coffees and the cars he drives around with with people. That shows up. All that it's... gas money. <laughs> It so, Brianna, I have a question that has, you know, to do with writing. Um, <laughs> as far as, you know, you mentioned uh, that you set that goal on your Kickstarter and you were thrilled to not only meet it, but exceed it. Um, I think that's so cool to just be able to bring in all your readers and kind of make them a part of it and be able to kick out more than just the book with the book with the bookmarks with the extra art so it probably seems like a silly question but is would would you go that route again for the next time you're trying to get something out there um it's not a silly question because i would not (laughs) full disclosure uh i am already exhausted by the amount of work i will have to do i don't in terms of support, I it is more than I ever could have wanted, and that part has been great and phenomenal. And I will say there is something very special about having so many people, you know, publicly put their faith in you as an author. Um, but the actual fulfillment part, I think I kind of got in over my head. Um, and in terms of, I I talked to Gemma more a little bit about kickstarter before i did it and i still did what she told me not to do and that's not that's not because of any failing of Gemma's. that's just because of my own stubbornness um, what was the advice she basically said you know don't over promise don't over commit because it's a lot smart yeah she's very smart obviously <laughs> um and she, she pretty much uh she pretty much, she pretty much uh, put me in my place in my own show so oh did she no, I, I don't mean that as an insult. She was just, like, a lot smarter than me, so it's not hard. <laughs> well, you know, she, she blurbed my book, so. That's awesome. I think oh. she's great anyway. I did not mean that as an insult if it came off that way. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but, no, it's 
it's a little hard. I don't know. It's kind of hard for me to explain to people, I guess. I'm all about transparency. Um, but everyone's like, you know, there was such a great reception for this campaign. Why wouldn't you, why don't you want to do this again? And it's like, I am one person and this is not my, this is not my full-time job, but I kind of am a little bit dreading the Kickstarter fulfillment. I, I'm not saying that I don't want to send people things, but I'm saying that it will take a while and I will probably have at least one breakdown, but they have more than earned that. Not the breakdown. They more than earn the rewards. So it is the least I can do. Hopefully someone What tier did you have to pledge for the breakdown? Um, <laughs> God, I, my, if I do this again, I'm going to do one that's like 100 plus and then I'll film, I'll film the breakdowns and I'll be like, you will unlock the special behind the scenes. And win some hair from I, I was going to say, I'll rip my hair out and mail it to you. <laughs> It'll just be me crying and eating. That's not funny. I don't know why I laughed. Wait, are you going to eat the hair? No. Oh. <laughs> That's another very specific fear that I don't like. Oh, no. Hair in mouth. God, what was that? But if you put pasta on it, it might taste good. Did you pulled it out? It was like a long string of something they pulled out of the mouth. I watched a foreign horror movie and I can't remember what it was. It was a. Was oh, it wasn't it the Ring Ring You? No, it was um Shutter. No Grudge. Oh, Camera. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And there's a hell. Oh, oh wait wait wait. Mm-mm. Yeah, that ending creeps me out. It still does. I watched it when I was in my twenties. I'm almost thirty two. That. Yeah. They, that, they redid it too, right? Terrible, but I. Oh no, I like it. See, this is what I mean when I say I like movies that people hate because that one has Joshua Jackson in it, right? Yes. I love that movie. Oh. I, I I will say it's not as okay. Look, it's not as good as the original one. Okay, okay. fair. But it's like an entertaining one, like um, like Pulse. Do you remember that? Yeah. Did anybody see that? I yeah. love them. Sorry. It's okay. Camping again. <laughs> yeah, I don't like hair. Uh, I don't think I don't know if I'll ever be brave enough to personally write anything where someone like vomits up hair or something. That's the I will guy, myself sometimes, but I don't know about that one. That's hard. <laughs> I am thinking of the same one as you two with Joshua Jackson in it. I saw that when it came out. Uh, creeps me out. The ending. You guys know which what I'm talking about, right? With the uh, doors I closing. I think of that. Yeah, I think of that every time I'm hunched over in my chair. If my posture's bad, I think about the ending to that movie. If you haven't seen the original, I think it's I think it's Ty. I want to say it's Ty. Bree, you are on the Game of Thrones chair. I meant to ask uh, you about that earlier. Was that at some kind of festival? I'm not. I'm not even the biggest Game of Thrones fan. I think I watched until like season four. Um, You're not missing much after. <laughs> it was uh, apparently I picked a good time to bow out, but um, there was a Renaissance fair at the Georgia Renaissance fair. They had the chair and I was like, I'm going to sit in this chair. And I have never in my life felt more powerful than I did on that chair. <laughs> so I mean, I'll use that picture whenever I can. You got a lot of swords of countries and armies you defeated. You are are you just queen. looking at her pictures right now? Because I'm just like, where, he just randomly was like, you're sitting on that Game of Thrones chair. And I was literally looking for a Game of Thrones chair in your camera right now. And I was like, wait. It's a photo that caught my eye a while ago. So oh. <laughs> definitely didn't want to forget about that. I thought it was neat. I haven't seen anyone else on uh, in my circles with it. So had to bring it up. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm glad you didn't follow that up with like anything about Game of Thrones because I'm. I'm 
forever ago I left that. Nope. Still upset like about the last that. season. <laughs> I, I know how it ended. Because yeah, like, all of Twitter was exploding. So. Well, that's because it wasn't it wasn't a good time. It was an upsetting I, time. Yeah. They 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 just took a shit on the one of the best shows ever and they're like, nah, we're just gonna ruin it. I decided to rewatch the X Files instead and I'm very happy with that. Ooh, that's a good move. That is a really good move. That's a really good show. I wish I could go back in time and do that instead of watching the finale to Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> the first two episodes of season eight were pretty good. They were so dark. I had to like turn up my computer brightness like a million percent and turn all the lights off in my house. Pat, don't tell me that was good. I was so mad. Well, well, no, that's that's episode three where that. Oh, awful... <laughs> I stand corrected, everybody. <laughs> no, I we only... thought our TV was broken. No. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, uh, yeah, I, I understand. It was it was not a fun time. You did not miss anything, Brie. Didn't you just tell us that uh, it 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 started off well? Well, with episode one, you're two, on the man, spot I, now. Defend it. All right, fine. Maybe I'm um, second guessing myself because I only see it once. The cast is making me think I was wrong, so I'm, I'm sorry. I'm bending real easily. I'm sorry. Bend the knee. <laughs> Just cut it out. Just cut it out. All right. So moving on from chairs that are sharp to something else. Um, <laughs> we we were we were talking about uh you know the my. God, what were we talking about? No, we were talking about like the pros and cons of Kickstarters. So, I mean, is is going down a more traditional publishing route? Is that something that would be up your alley, or are you really enjoying the whole self-publishing thing? Um, I'm kind of torn right now. I'm querying a young adult horror novel, but uh, I'm I don't know. I'm not pursuing that one super hard. I'm still doing self-pub stuff in the meantime. Traditional publishing, it's like one of those things I always said I would do it like at least once. I said I, you know, at one point I would have an age and I would give that a shot. But the more I think about what I want for my writing career, the more I realize I want it to be my only career. I want it to sustain me. Um, and unfortunately, with the structure of traditional publishing right now and the way things are going, especially in light of <laughs> the big five becoming the big four. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a little scary and authors are not really getting paid the advances they should be getting paid. And there's a lot more up in the air. I know that as a self-published author, if, if you're going to make a living from your writing, it is a lot easier to do it as a self-published author. I, I, I like that. you talking about that. Cause I, you know, I, I would love to be, in that boat but i also you know understand that it's a ton of work and it's not for me i'm i'm not sure just how realistic it is because you know i've I, i've i've got kind of um I, i've got a day job that you know comes with health insurance that is was a was a big investment of 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 time and you know that i enjoy truth be told um so to to know that um you know self publishing is kind of um not a clear cut path certainly but you know maybe a little bit closer to being able to sustain yourself and you know be able to make weekly trips to the grocery store and uh you know pay for the roof over your head um i i like hearing your point of view on that yeah and it's a a big thing with my platform is I always want to be transparent because I feel like a lot of people don't talk about that. 
Um, a lot of traditional authors, traditionally published authors don't talk about money at all. Um, even a lot of self-published authors don't really talk about money, but I always try to talk about, you know, my career, things I've learned, things I would have done differently, um, things that I think people need to be afraid of and maybe they shouldn't necessarily fear as much as they might, things like that. I try not to be discouraging, but I am, I am a realist because that's the kind of information I, and advice I would have liked to get when I started. Uh, I learned a lot of things the hard way and I'm glad that I learned them, but I do wish there had been a better way to learn them. And I think there's, um, at least to a degree, there's a stigma around talking about the money side of it. Um, and, you know, not that the two fields are super related, but there's definitely, um, it, when you're teaching, uh, my day job, there's that stigma too, because you're in it for the kids. So don't you dare complain about the low salary. But again, you'd like to be able to pay those bills. You'd like to be able to keep a roof over your head and you'd like to not eat ramen noodles for 21 <laughs> meals a week. Um, but right. you know, the, the, the artist or the, the writers are, well, you know, you're pursuing your passion. So you've got to be willing to, uh, you know, suck it up and, and live hard. And no, that shouldn't be the damn case. You know, just because you don't sit in an office and, you know, sell paper from nine to five, uh, every, every, every week doesn't mean that you don't deserve, you know, that living wage, mm -hmm. you know, you work your ass off, um, <laughs> in yeah. case the, uh, discussion we had about you fulfilling the Kickstarter wasn't evident of that. You're not sitting there, you know, writing for an hour a day and then sitting waiting for the checks to roll in. Oh. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah, I would, I would love that. Um, but in, like a lot of people think that just because you get traditionally published, you know, you're going to get, you're going to sell your film rights. You're going to get your book like turned into the hunger games franchise or something like that. And that's almost never the case, especially anymore. It seems like more and more publishers are valuing debut novels from celebrities or from, you know, people who already have a platform um, where it's not as much about the talent. And a thing that has always bothered me with self-publishing that I personally try to overcome is the idea that self-publishing is lesser than traditionally public traditional publishing. And I will say that, you know, you, you can rush it. There's no, there's no barrier to entry. Um, you can just put a book, you can put a rough draft out there. You can put an unfinished book out there if you want to. But what I've noticed is most people who, who consider it their job or they, they are really passionate about it. They, put the effort into it. The people who are making the money, they're not writing to make the money. They're writing because they like it and they do it well. And that's sort of reaping the rewards. And it's kind of to a degree the a case of, you know, a few bad apples ruin, ruining the barrel. Um, the, the biggest complaints you're going to find against um, self-publishing authors are that the works aren't thoroughly edited, like you would have uh, being published traditionally. And that, you know, their cover looks like a fifth grader made it on Microsoft Paint. Um, but, I mean, just look at look at your most recent book. You've got Keelan doing the cover, and you had it professionally edited. It's like that's two of the major strikes that you blew out of the water right off the bat. Um, and beyond that, it's, you, you know, it's an editor is going to catch a lot of 
the things that you know are going to keep you from being able to write that story that um, an an indie publisher is going to accept anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you have to put in the legwork and you have to fight like hell because people already have that preconceived notion of what they're getting when it's coming from a self-published author. But yeah, there's absolutely ways of doing it legitimately. And hey, you're doing it. I, I'm trying. And I do feel like I have to work twice as hard sometimes to overcome that. But it's it's really silly because readers don't care. For the most part, I will say readers don't care if a book is traditionally published or indie published. Readers don't care if you have an agent. Readers don't care if it's your first book or maybe your 15th in most cases, especially in genres like romance, fantasy and horror, where we all just want so much of everything, maybe more than any of the others, any other genre. Um, Romance and horror, I feel like, are kind of, you know, rabid fan base. Um, maybe rabid's not the best word, but, you know, <laughs> passionate, eager, devoted. Um, so it's it's silly to think that I'm not a real writer because I'm self-published or I'm not a real author because my books are made with KDP and Amazon self-published and I don't have an agent or anything like that. I think that's silly. And it takes so much work to even finish a book that I think anyone who does just that should be celebrated, even if they don't publish it. The first draft is something definitely worth celebrating. Do you know when I first told people I started writing my own books, you know, and uh, I'd hear, Oh yeah, my dad wrote a book a little bit and uh, stopped or my friend or I wanted to write a book or I want to, there's nothing stopping anyone no. Most people don't write books. If you're taking a sample of the entire world, I'm sure less than most write books. Never mind, read them. A lot of people write books. Not a lot of people finish them. There you go. That is, see, just did what Gemma did. You outsmarted me, and I <laughs> applaud you for that. That is what I meant to say. <laughs> I, but to your point. I was I, paraphrasing I, you, really. Here's what? I was just paraphrasing you. Thank you. You outsmarted yourself, sir. (laughs) Damn you, Pat. (laughs) (laughs) To your point, I agree with you, especially um, with with the audience that, um, you know, is probably your most supportive audience. They I I won't say they don't care about, you know, publishers, but, um, you know, I'll certainly pick up books when they come off a certain press. But other than that, it's, you know, when you go word of mouth, you know, when I hear, oh, this book, Dear Laura, is excellent. Uh, this this book unboxed. Everybody's reading it. Um, you know, that comes in the mail before I realize, oh, this this author put it out themselves. Um, and it's you know, it certainly doesn't come in the mail. I say, oh, she did this herself at the bottom of the reading list. No, um, <laughs> it's if it has the buzz, it has the buzz. And it doesn't matter whether, you know, um, a, a, a publisher said this is good. I'm going to print this or whether the author worked their absolute tail off on it and. Um, made it the best possible product it could be, and then boom, it's out there and it's resonating with readers, and that's kind of showing up on on my radar. Um, at, at that point, once it's in the world and it's been uh, lovingly crafted and cared for, and put you've put out the best possible product, you're right. It doesn't matter at that point. And what I've what I've had to learn, I guess, the wisdom I've gained 
in the few years I've been publishing is that you don't write books for the people who don't think you're a real author. You write books for the people who think you who who think you're great or who think, you know, you're going to write their next favorite book. You write you write books for people who probably already want to like you. So you shouldn't worry so much about the people that don't or the people who look down on you because they're the stuff isn't for them anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Because fuck them, right? I mean, I didn't want to say it, but fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's why that's I said it for um, you. I knew you were tiptoeing around it. Oh, uh, yeah. Fuck them. <laughs> it's a, the Southern Bell kind of rises to the surface sometimes. <laughs> I was just talking about this last night with another writer, how she uh, came up from – she actually is from Atlanta. Um, her name is – I believe it's Kat uh, – what is it? Kat Scully? Yeah, Kat Scully. I was talking with her last night. I and, know her. Um, she's awesome. Yeah, she's uh, we're she's my critique partner. Oh, perfect. But yeah, she's, she's awesome. I just got to know her last night. Turns out, uh, we have a lot in common. She moved to Boston, but she was saying that um, people were surprised that she was more direct because Southerners tend to uh, not no. be as direct. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I mean, up north, it, I've heard because I've had a friend move from the west coast from california to here and uh we're we're a different breed especially in the northeast it kind of depends on where i am and who i'm with Mm. well yeah you don't want to be crass with just anyone or blue or say fuck them to just anyone because you might have someone that is like uh gets offended or something you know i don't someone to be like oh man she said some dirty words i mean don't (laughs) don't read my books then because there's some uh, my grandma asked me if there if there were any bad words in Unbox, and I'm like, there's a few of them, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't read it. There's there's a lot in Unboxed, besides the language, but you know, I don't think my grandma is going to enjoy it. Who was it, um, Brendan? I feel like you know who said the the line right like your family's dead or your mother's dead. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, I think that was Lansdale actually. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds, sounds like something he'd say. I, I was going to say, um, oh, man, I'm blanking on the dude that wrote uh, Chuck Palahniuk. That's it. I thought he said that, but it sounds like something I still would say. I, I mean, I, yeah, I don't pay attention to anything. Um, obviously, separate that. That's I mean, there's a whole other discussion we could have about this art separate from the artist. Um, not always, but, you know, I, I would hope that people understand that just because, you know, Greg is an asshole, that doesn't mean I'm an asshole. I mean, I might be an asshole. I don't think I am, but neither does Greg. So I don't know, but <laughs> you don't have to be, now I'm having like an existential crisis on the podcast. Um, you don't have to be a certain way to write that, like write what you know to a certain extent, but it's not like, I don't talk like my character's necessarily no we're, yeah, we, we've had that discussion on here before about how you know there are certain authors out there where you read their characters and you're like i'm definitely reading this author's point of view whereas you know <laughs> you read you read greg in unboxed and you're like brianna was definitely making like a, a face like something smelled bad when she wrote the, wrote this line <laughs> like just oh, she, I uh, she I was, i'm not like that at all <laughs> yeah Greg is actually kind of living my nightmare, like that level of 
everyone's watching you all the time and like having a meltdown on a live stream and things like that. I would. Mm-mm. I am curious what happens after because it seems like he hit a uh, point where something's popular now. But I mean, will podcasting be a thing five years from now, ten years from now? I hope so. I want to keep doing it, but will they? Who knows? Yeah, it's. I don't do. Do you want me to spoil or? It's up to you. It's your book, so I don't want to. I don't want to do something. No, about. but I don't know if you're gonna like put a note at the beginning. What? Okay. Well. Spoiler alert. Yes. Unbox. That's all you get. If to read unbox. <laughs> I would skip this part. Um. So at the end, I left it ambiguous on purpose. I wanted it to kind of have a similar feel as like Fight Club, the movie, where you're kind of like, oh, you know, it's it's okay now, but is it really okay? Um. And it's like. You know, I've had some people tell me they see it as a happy ending, but it's really not a happy ending because you look at Greg and Alice and they are not they're not equipped to really do anything. Um, They have put their lives into the channel for so long and Greg has made it such a big part of his identity that I kind of if I were to do like a spinoff or a sequel, I would see him maybe doing like a reality show or like producing a movie or something like that. And then he just kind of like, you know, ends up on cameo doing like wishing people birth happy birthday and things like that. And then eventually just fades away because those people, you know, they they tend to make enough money that they can live on it down the road. But they also don't tend to do much beyond that. Obviously, that doesn't apply to like every YouTuber or every celebrity. I feel like I need to say that so no one <laughs> thinks I'm attacking anyone. But I, I have noticed that that. That can happen, and that's kind of where I saw Greg and Alice heading. Um, I do think that their relationship will be okay. I don't, I don't want to say that it won't change or it won't continue to have periods of struggle, like any relationship. Hmm. Um, but I, I think that it will be a little bit harder for Greg to. <laughs> Greg won't be able to explain things. As like, oh, well, this is because of the show or this is because of the channel where this is because of, you know, I filmed that one bit. He can't blame anything on that anymore. It's all him. Yeah. And I just want to that kind of brings up a good point. The turning point was probably the most obvious point. Like, I didn't like him. I thought he was like, yeah, kind of a butthead. I wouldn't want to date my sister for one thing. Um, but when he calls Alice a bitch and it's recorded I'm like well yeah obviously people aren't gonna like you dude like you're you're verbally abusing your girlfriend yeah that's how you get canceled (laughs) one one slip on a live stream I'm surprised he ended up hitting his goal yeah Uh, (laughs) uh, there's no such thing as bad publicity unfortunately Um, I, I have heard frequently and I would agree that sometimes a really bad review, like a really bad scathing, like one star review is the best, the best marketing material you could come up with, especially romance authors. I've seen a lot of romance authors lately using like their one star reviews as their promo material. (laughs) Like I saw one on TikTok earlier. She was like, um, it was something like the reviewer said, like, the sex in here was gratuitous and it was disgusting. <laughs> Come read the most disgusting, gratuitous sex scenes this reader has ever has ever seen. I so, mean, that's why that, I wanted to 
That's why I wanted to read the girl next door because I heard it's like the most intense thing. Why? Yeah. No, yeah. want to want to find out. That's how it goes. Since this comes out in December, it'll come out three like pretty much three weeks before Christmas. I think it'd be fun if we uh, go on Christmas topics. Are you two okay to move on, or do you want to stick on this? I'm I'm wide open. Just want right. to make sure Cassie's still alive on that end. I'm alive. I don't know. What are Christmas topics? I didn't prepare any notes for <laughs> That's Christmas That's all right. I'm everyone I, a, I also don't know what Christmas uh, topics are. I'm throwing everyone a curveball because I am curious what, uh, Brie, first you, do you have any Christmas traditions? Do you have any movies that you like? doesn't have to be horror related. Um, so I'm actually, I'm not super Christmassy. I say that. Um, I think my boyfriend would disagree. But there's, <laughs> there's certain things I really like about Christmas and then certain things I just don't care. Like, I I don't know how anyone else feels about this, so I feel like I'm, like, putting myself on blast here. But I hate Christmas songs. I hate Christmas music. I am so sorry if you like it. I cannot stand it. No, that's, um, a, that's, that's definitely okay, especially if you work in retail. <laughs> that, I mean, I only did for, like, one season, but that's probably part of it. I just, I've never really liked Christmas songs. Um, I love decorations. Hmm. Uh, we we don't have that many decorations out. We just have a tree, but we did buy it's our first tree, um, and it's one of our cats has never seen a tree before, a Christmas tree, and he doesn't really know how to behave. So that's that's kind of a new tradition has been to keep David away from the Christmas tree. Um, I didn't want to start that one, but that's where we are. My cat's name is David. That's not my boyfriend. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love that name. I love. You guys might know that, but I want. I want to make sure the audience knows that. That your boyfriend does not know how to react with a Christmas tree. No, no, David. <laughs> um, he just bats the ornaments down. That's an odd display. <laughs> he stretches on it. It's just weird. <laughs> Sleeps on it. Um, so, yeah, I have, I do have certain movies, though, that I, I watch um, pretty much every year. Elf, obviously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, A Christmas Story literally every single Christmas Eve for as long as I've been alive, I think. Um, I used to watch It's a Wonderful Life, but then I was in a production of that, so that pretty much killed my interest in that movie. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you're when you're rehearsing the same scenes over and over again, it's just like, I don't ever want to live this again. No, thank you. I'm going to throw it to you, Cassie. Do you have anything that you want to add to this? <clears throat> I... Okay, so for Christmas traditions, okay, so first of all, I really love Christmas music. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, I am like I'm I'm outing myself. Like, <laughs> you're not alone though. I know a lot of people feel that way. I um I really like Christmas. So Christmas is my favorite holiday, and it's probably like in my top three of favorite just things in general. Mm-hmm. So I haven't actually taken my tree down in like three years now. Um, <laughs> it's a fake tree, right? It is. It yeah. <laughs> Just had to clarify. Can you imagine? I just have this like husk. <laughs> All um, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's spray painted rainbow. Um, and I made it, so it's very pretty, and it it's too pretty to take down, so I just leave it up for a little bit of festivity all year long. Um, I just want you to know that Pinterest, like you wrote a post about how you made your your tree. And I think either you put it on Pinterest or somebody else did. Pinterest is always recommending that I repin them. And I'm like, I know. I'm, <laughs> this. I'm aware. 
I get to you know, see that picture. It's so funny because I get so much of my blog traffic from Pinterest because I worked so hard on setting so many of the pins yeah. up. <laughs> Pinterest has figured out either that we're friends or something because it's just like you're always pushed like to the top. I'm like, I know. I already know about Cassie. I know who she is. You don't have to sell me on her. It's really awkward on Pinterest, too, because I think um, people have put my hair on Pinterest. And it's really weird because people spot me in real life. And I've been stopped, like, by people, like, three times. People who have been like, I saw your hair on Pinterest. And I'm like, please, God, stop. And I'm so, like, anxious and uncomfortable and awkward, and especially, like, in person. So I'm just like, please don't talk to me. Oh, my God, go away. (laughs) Someone will, like, pin... Oh, yeah. I guess someone would pin, like, your hair to an inspiration board or something. That's It's bizarre. It's so weird. I just someone didn't know we were talking about Pinterest, and they're like, huh, next show, what is, uh, because fuck this. (laughs) (laughs) Pin people's hair to boards. Look, you brought up Christmas. This is just a natural progression. Is it, though? (laughs) People who left during the the spoiler part of the podcast are coming back because if not, if they just like dipped out then that's, they didn't get the full podcast. They fast forwarded five minutes to get back to, and then I pinned hair to the board. (laughs) And then they're like, God, all they've done is talk about hair. Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. Okay. No, but for real, for my Christmas traditions, I really love Christmas. Every, um, Christmas morning, since I was still on Christmas Eve, we open a present, one present each. Um, this is something that I did with like my brothers and stuff when I was little too. So now I force anybody who is with me on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day to do this also. So it is now a mandatory tradition. Um, <laughs> and then on Christmas morning, we have to, before we open presents, we have to eat at least one of those little like powder white donuts, the cheap kind that come in a bag. Um, and then that's, then we can open presents after that. And that's the whole tradition. <laughs> That's For some nice reason, story. I thought you were going to say we have to eat a present. And I'm like, oh, my God, do you get to pick or is it just. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. That's your laptop. Oh, my God. <laughs> Horrifying. Brennan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice tradition, Brennan. <laughs> so uh, we we um every year we give the uh, or, or Santa brings a uh, present for the boys where uh they they get uh, like a new set of pajamas, a movie to watch, and like a special snack on Christmas Eve. Um, so we we end up watching a different movie every Christmas Eve. Else, uh, else, Elf is definitely a tradition in our house, but it's kind of like a year round tradition. Like it's you know you'll you'll have that going in July. Yeah. Um, so uh, this year's movie is the uh, Jim Carrey version of The Grinch, which they like, and I don't particularly care for but that's okay because christmas is for kids um when i was wait what (laughs) when i was when i when i was younger my family always used to watch um a christmas carol on uh christmas eve and there's so many different versions but we would only watch the the version with george c scott and it scared the living bejesus out of me. Um, like the 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 Marley scenes are so scary in that, and like that's just what I associated with Christmas. I'm like, this isn't fun. I don't like this. Why do we have to do this? And I would leave the room, and then I wouldn't be able to go to sleep. Oh, <laughs> that's yep. not a good time. No, it's a, and and I think they enjoyed that. Like, can't we watch the one with Patrick Stewart? Fuck no, we're watching it with George C. Scott. You're going to have a nightmare. Yeah, you didn't even get he's the terrifying, even when he's being nice. Ooh. Oh, yeah, Cassie just said the Muppets. Yeah, I love that one. Mm, yeah. um, I didn't know that Christmas Carol was a regular thing. That's a good one. Yes. 
it's a loose interpretation, but where Bill know. Murray's uh, Scrooge, the lady that plays um the ghost, that doesn't she throw like pots and drills Bill Murray in the nuts? Probably. I feel like that happened. Yeah, whatever. So for me, uh, when I was growing up, my dad worked at Titleist, and every Christmas, for those who don't know, Titleist is a, at least was a massive golf company. Um, make the golf balls and all that stuff. Anyways, they would host a Christmas party for the uh, coworkers, and they can bring their family, and kids get one gift free, and you get to see a movie. It's pretty awesome. Um, I didn't understand it at first, but I was like, hey, free gift in a movie. Jingle All the Way was one of those that me, my brother, and sister watched in theaters when it came out, and we're like, Arnold Schwarzenegger. All right. This is funny. So I kind of force my wife to watch that every year. Um, it's not like – I wouldn't say like it's a good movie, but it's funny. Um <laughs> And I want to start a new one that's weird because it's no one likes this movie, but Waterworld. I want to start watching that on Christmas. So, it's yeah. It's not good. Yeah. It's also yeah. not up for debate whether it's a Christmas movie, really. It's I mean, 100% it's not, not. It's not a diehard. It's 100% not. No, there's nothing to do with Christmas. I don't think it's a okay. thing during then. I just want to try it out one year, but, like, no one wants to watch it with me. Sometimes you can make movies into Christmas movies because I watch Les Mis every year just because it's it takes time when it's cold part of the movie and like <laughs> so I'm like that's my Christmas movie and I legitimately watch that every single year for Christmas and it's just and people are like that's not a Christmas movie and I'm like well they will wet themselves with blood that's kind of festive so yeah ex- <laughs> yeah that's what, true. yeah ex- so we usually watch the um the Lord of the Rings movies while we're present wrapping you know in the oh. week or so we're leading up to Christmas. Oh, Wait, how long does it take you to wrap presents? <laughs> I have a I have a big extended family. That's fair. And we wrap <laughs> slow. Uh, Peter Jackson redid all six, so it looks like they were shot the first f- together at the same time. And I would love to watch those in a row like that. Uh, Bree, you said you had big news. We talked about your book that came out today. Curious if we uh, have anything else. I didn't want to uh, bypass that. Oh, I mean that is that's the only thing I have going that's, on right that's now. That's great news. I just it's pretty big to... news. Yeah. It is it, it is it, big it news. It did just come out, but yeah, that's... I mean this year I I was only going to release like one book this year, and then somehow I released three. Um, that's amazing. <laughs> so that's wild. Um, and I'm still alive. I will say that I wrote most of two of them last year. I'm just publishing them this year but it's still awesome thank you it's uh it's a lot of work um and i don't know part of me is like grateful that i have had this time but also you know i want to go out in the world and do things and you know have people not die from the pandemic so it's I've had, I'm actually glad you guys didn't ask me this, but I've had people ask me like, are you grateful for 2020? And I'm like, well, not really, because a lot of people have died. Um, Yeah, it's a weird question. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's, it's fraught in a way that I think a lot of people don't anticipate. But um, yeah, so Trick or Treater, I thought, I thought I was going to release it next year. The paperback, I, I don't know in terms of Amazon and Christmas, if it's going, if it, if it can happen this year, um, but it should be early next year at the latest. And then I already have an audiobook narrator in mind. Hmm. 
So it's just finalizing that and getting started on that. It would be wild if that was out before the paperback, though. It's all exciting. Brian, take a sway or Cassie. On the next. Cassie. I don't, what, go for it. What? I don't have a segue from that. I was, uh, I was like, yes, I'm Cassie, excited for many, that. I can't you, wait. How many shows have you been on? We don't use, we don't need segues. That's no. fair. Where we're going, there are no segues. in school and then like you popcorn read and someone calls on you and you're like, oh no, I don't want to read. So yeah, I guess you, be like really good on it. Like, have um, any of you written a segue? Have you? No. What? <laughs> you know the, the No, part. Pat. God damn it, no. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so why would you do that? <laughs> I have Oh Lord. <laughs> this is this is literally worse than not having a segue. So Bree, let's ask uh what 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 are you currently reading or have you read anything recently that you'd like to kind of uh plug? Um well I I read Mallory by Josh Mallory Mallerman. I almost said Josh Mallory. Oh. <laughs> It's very I close. To him a lot though. Um, I read Survivor Song by Paul Tremblay. That one hit kind of not good. Um, I mean it's a good book, but it hit. The timing is just. Yeah. It's a wild time. Um. Oh, it was no, it wasn't good. I read a book. Uh, it was called I think it was called Quackery. It was about um like old fashioned cures for things back in the day and how we used to approach medicine that was nonfiction, but I just kind of like wanted a change of pace, but it was not good. I ended up quitting like halfway through. I'm really picky with nonfiction because it, I still want it to be entertaining to yeah. a certain extent. And a lot of nonfiction is just not. So that sounds like it could be good research though, for future stories though. Yeah. yeah. And parts of it were interesting. It just kind of seemed like they, it got to a point where it seemed like the book had to be a certain length because of some agreement they'd made with their publisher. So it felt really just stuffed full of filler. Uh, how about you, Brennan? Um, I am mostly done with uh, Blacktop Wasteland by S.A. Cosby, and it is every bit as good as the 10 million people who've recommended it say it is um <laughs> i I'm, I'm definitely gonna go back and i know he has a couple books out before that i'm gonna go back and check out his back catalog that's and you know honestly that's i, I i'm certainly in the few books but that's really the only one i'm actively reading because i can't you know i get to the end of the chapter and i don't want to switch to something else i want to i want to see what's next and that's absolutely the mark of did the i'm sorry my whole my skype just like yeah died. mine too Oh, it did it for everybody. Okay. It was like, uh, switch sides. That's really disorienting. It was strange, right? Okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> as long as it wasn't just me. No, um, no. I don't, I think I'm in the middle of, no, I just finished one called The Beauty. I don't think I was reading that the last time I was here. The And it's by Aaliyah Whiteley, I think is her last name. Um, and that's, it's like horry sci-fi. Um and it's really weird, but really good. Um, and I liked it. So I bought a copy for my boyfriend and for his best friend. Because I was like, you guys like weird sci-fi stuff? Here, maybe you'll like <laughs> horror stuff too. <laughs> um, and then the other last one that I finished was uh, Sina's collection of poetry, Into the Forest and All the Way Through. And then that one 
was very difficult. Like, it's really good, but it's really, it's about, um, she, like, writes poems for a bunch of different women and girls who have disappeared or been murdered. Um, and it, it kind of, like, gives a voice to a lot of them. And it's just really sad. So I cried a lot. And I'm, I shouldn't have read it uh, when I did during the month. It was not a good time. And I cried and, so much. That and they all include, like, life. the um, name of the person, like, places you can reach out to if anything, like... Um, like jogs your memory it's and and i think that it, those are those are good details to kind of make the book count but like it also makes it hit that much harder to be able to not just have a um distant association with something bad happening but to say here's the name here's the age here's the location of that person yeah i actually so when i was reading it, when i see that at the end of the poems i would look them up um and kind of like read about them and i couldn't like it made reading it really slow because I kept having to stop after every poem to like look up. And then you go into this rabbit hole and you, you just can't stop, or at least I couldn't. It was just, it was a tragic time, but yeah. it was really good. And I think it's really important. Um, and I can't imagine the strength that it took to write that and to do all the research behind, like that must've gone into it. So There's definitely props to her. Yeah. That one, I've had that one on my list for a long time, but it's like you said, like I kind of know it's going to destroy me. So I haven't mm-hmm. quite, I'm trying to wait until I have kind of the emotional space and capacity to take that one on. Yeah, I should have been smart like you. And instead, I just threw myself to the wolves and it was. Yeah. <laughs> it it kind of reminded me um, uh, a band I like is uh, Rise Against and they have this oh, song called. Um, I, I forget the name of the song. I think it's Make It Stop or that's a subtitle of it. And it's about um, LGBTQ kids being bullied um and you know some of them to the point where they take their own lives and it's a powerful song but you get to the bridge and the bridge is just instrumentals with him reading the names and ages of kids who've taken their own lives due to bullying and it's just like it just ratchets everything up that extra like 20 notches um and that's that's what the what her collection reminded me of make it stop september's children that's the one, yeah. That's a good band, man. I got uh, I got one of their albums. That's not the one, though. So I am reading Blacktop Wasteland as well. Uh, we get to talk to S.A. Uh, S. Cosby um, next week. So it'll come out a week after this episode. It's great. It's gritty. It's good. Noir. Uh, crime. Uh, it makes me want to read everything else he's ever written. So, That's how you know it's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, where can people follow you? So I am. I used to be all over the place. I tried to narrow it down somewhat. Uh, I'm mainly on Twitter and Instagram now. On Twitter, I Brie Morgan Books, and then on Instagram, I'm Brianna Morgan Books. And then, of course, there's my website, BriannaMorganBooks.com, and you can find all my books on Amazon. We will have her website on the show notes for anyone interested go there um brie you've been a blast it's been almost an hour and 40 minutes and uh it's been a real pleasure talking to you thanks it's been a pleasure coming on and chatting with you guys and experiencing the unique relationship between everyone here (laughs) that's a lovely way of putting it (laughs) brennan she's making fun of you and me Mm, I don't, I don't, think I don't agree with that. that. 
right. say that. I didn't just say any of that. I think it's like, a, it's like a group of siblings or something. It's like just like poking fun at each other all the time. It reminds me of my little brothers who I I don't know, just to add this on, but I moved to California away from them like several years ago and I haven't seen them in a while. So when I get to talk to Pat and Brennan, I'm like, hey, guys, what's up? I'm going to tease you for an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. I don't, yeah. You know what? That's a good comparison because I, I don't know. You're a little younger than me, like only months, but. I don't know. It's not like a little sister thing, but I definitely feel protective over you like a big brother. I got a little <laughs> sister. It's the same feeling. So, I don't know. I guess great we'll... Time. I've had a great time. Thank you. Um, Cassie, thank you for joining us. Brennan, thank you for being my co-host. I love you, big bro. <laughs> <laughs> we have, just a reminder, we have, uh, I believe, three more episodes after this. The one that comes out after... Uh, Breeze episode, we talk with uh, Ronald Kelly, John D. Quick, Mercedes Yardley, uh, Brennan, myself, and uh, Todd Keesling. I think that's everyone, correct, Brennan? I think that's it, yes. And we are going to be talking about faith and horror. That is uh, three people that have a heavy uh, religious background and Todd Keesling. And then me and Brennan are just going to basically ask a few prompts and just listen to what happens. So, not sure what to expect, but that'll be fun after that. S.A. Cosby, followed by the season finale. Will that be? Stick around and find out. We are in your mind. We are all around. You are now leaving. Deadhead space. I have kids in the house. Of course I have Capri Sun in the fridge. What a ridiculous question. Do you have the Pacific Cooler kind? Because that's the best flavor. Are there any other kinds? Come on now. Thank you. They're so much better than all the other ones. <laughs> Still can't get it to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. The store's down the street. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. <laughs> not going to lie. I like Sunny D. That's just me. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> Free and you were very vehemently opposed to that instantaneously. I feel embarrassed. I just, I want both of them now, and I'm Ooh. trying to talk mm. myself out of it. Maybe it's not. I don't remember what it is. She um. said snot. Pat. <laughs> <laughs> he was talking about the office earlier, so I just. Brennan, was... I'm sorry. I don't know how. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's just the tag. He'll get sent to his room when we're done, and, you know, he knows. She's he never knows gonna want to talk to, she's never going to want to talk to me again. The light left Brennan's eyes. it <laughs> <laughs> fade. I'm, I'm dead inside now. <laughs> I will cut this entire episode out if you want me to right now. No. It's gone no. forever. Brie, I don't know if you listened to Nico's episode, but um, I was guest host on that one too, and we basically spent the entire thing roasting Pat, and it was really fun and funny. So if you are bored and you want to listen to something funny, there's a good episode for you. I'm behind. I haven't listened to that one yet, and I think I need to now. 